Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. In this episode, I'm talking to my second inspirational orca, Carol Decker, 80s legend, best known for fronting to POW. And I just want to say we had some serious technical issues trying to record this ep. So sorry, my sound quality isn't great. But we got there in the end. And it just goes to prove Carol is a force to be reckoned with. Carol, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. My great pleasure. Thanks for asking. I obviously thought of you in this way, and I think most people think of you this way. Fronting to POW, you had this persona of this incredibly strong, confident woman in a very male world in the 80s, let's be frank. Yeah. So I was slightly shocked to read that you said you suffered from hormonal-linked depression around your periods for most of your life. Oh, God, yeah. Half of the month, it would be terrible. I would feel this sort of black cloud descend. And I would be very down, very down, and uh, I'm very aggressive (laughs) about fighting, you know, wanted to kill everybody. And everything was bleak, nothing was going to work out, why do I even bother, blah, 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 with any aspect of my life. And then the minute I got my period, it went like that. I mean, it was like miraculous. And another good friend of mine who we shared the same story, and she said, yeah, she said, I don't know myself for half the month. And we both had exactly the same symptoms where it was profound. And I assumed when I read that, that it was, you got depressed when you were on your period, but it was the period lifted it. Oh God, the minute I saw blood, literally, I felt absolutely fine. You could set your watch by my period. I always came on around the 28th of the month. So that meant I was always in the worst mood for Christmas. Hated everybody, all the presents were shit. (laughs) (laughs) And did you discover what caused this? Not really. Was it a rush of hormone? It's the the rush of oestrogen, I presume. We've got progesterone, testosterone and oestrogen. So I'm not quite sure one went up or down but it was awful it was awful and it was very debilitating and affected my decision making and stuff like that which wasn't good and so did this then make you think oh god I'm a slave to my hormones menopause is going to be a nightmare or was it not on your radar well I didn't need to think about menopause too much until I was approaching it yeah I don't think anyone does do they (laughs) I don't have a plan for the next day I never do (laughs) so no not really But I hated it. And I would try, um, now and again, I would try the pill. Every time I took the pill, bearing in mind I'm 65 now, so the pill came out in the 60s, but it was the late 70s, 80s when I was sort of taking it. And the pill changes all the time. They refine it, don't they, you know, as the years go by. But every time I took the pill, I would, again, get hugely aggressive. My boobs would swell up before your very eyes and they were utterly rock hard. I was in pain and I would do, (laughs) I do things like I go and eat like a a family block of cheddar or a massive bar of chocolate. It was worse than any pregnancy craving I ever had. So I'd come off the pill 
and I'd feel so much better in the one way, but then my PMS would return. And I would also put on weight with the pill within a month, half a stone had piled on. It didn't agree with me. So I'd come off the pill and I'd cope as best I could. And then I'd talk to my GP. I'd go to my GP in floods of tears, say another four years would go by and I'd go to my GP and say, oh, I can't go. And, oh, there's a new pill. Try the mini pill, you know. Yeah. Nothing stopped that incredible uh, engorging of my boobs and how painful they were and just brain this terrible brain fog so I didn't get on with the pill and this was brain fog in your 20s 30s was this every time I either tried the pill or every time I had PMS and then by the time I got to my menopause it was all in the news all the time links between breast cancer if you're on the pill for too long and then swinging straight onto HRT in those days and my cousin my dear cousin who is five days older than me and we grew up together she's like my sister she did that she did 25 years on the pill went straight onto HRT and got a very aggressive form of breast cancer now it would have been unfortunate it could have been a coincidence I don't know but with all the news that was cycling at the time um, I was like oh well, I'm not gonna do that you know so by the time I got to menopause I was determined to try and tough it out with different herbs that were grown on the south side of the Himalayas. <laughs> you know, all those websites and all this, take this and you'll feel better, you know. <laughs> it's what we all do, isn't it? I think we all feel that you're not being man enough, for want of a better word, womanly enough. HRT is a cop-out and that's just so not the case. It felt a bit of a cop-out back then. Then I stopped seeing it as a cop-out. I was just concerned about this breast cancer link. Then I had this personal experience of my close, close cousin that happening to her and they largely thought it's because she'd been on synthetic hormones for the better part of you know 30 odd years so it was scary to me so I was I was toughing it out for a long long time and so how long were you going through the menopause without HRT because you're now are you now still on HRT so I got to 52 and was starting to feel a bit rough. And 52, I don't know if that's changed, but was then the average age for the woman to start her menopause. So I probably was a little bit perimenopausal before that. Bear in mind, I had my children very late. I had my daughter when I was 40. I had my son when I was 45. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> 39 and 43. <laughs> I don't know if my perimenopause symptoms were all masked by postpartum stuff with Dylan, you know. And exhaustion and coping with young children. Pushing 49, I had a two and a half year old and who didn't sleep and had flipping colic and eczema. And so if I was perimenopausal, it was also hidden by being an, an exhausted new and older mum. So by the time we get to 52, uh, we went to Paris for this holiday with the kids, took them to Disneyland. I started the period and it didn't stop for nearly two weeks. And then they were gone. And that was it. Really? They had like a mammoth bleed. Niagara Falls. And my husband always says, never trust anything that bleeds that much and doesn't die. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> fascinating. <laughs> the amount that was coming out of you and you still standing. <laughs> no, I had to take to my bed. I was debilitated by the blood loss. It was terrible. And then they were gone. And there they were gone. And so I realised I was on my menopause. I went to see my doctor who uh, said, well, I suggest HRT. I was very nervous about that. So I didn't do it. So I did try and tough it out with with, I'm actually being flippant. I didn't go on too many nutty websites. I would go on the NHS or good things like the Mayo Clinic, Healthline, you know, creditable websites that would recommend different herbs, supplements, natural alternatives. And I wanted to try that, but I felt 
terrible. And what symptoms were you having at that time? A lot of flashes. My poor family had to live with the windows open for four years. They were freezing cold. That's why, you know, the cost of living energy crisis now, they don't notice how cold the house is. Because <laughs> they've been used to it. Yeah. Freezing their nuts. <laughs> Mom, why is the back door open again? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I had the, the hot sweats. Oh, vagina as dry as the Gobi Desert, no libido whatsoever, no energy, no no nothing, you know. Brain fog and things like that? Yeah, 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 brain fog and a lot of anxiety and a lot of confidence, all the things that I've been able to ace my whole life, you know. I just suddenly couldn't cope with multitasking. They all say, oh, women, multitasking women, I couldn't. And then I tried the HRT and the same thing happened. Gigantic boobs, massive weight gain, bad headaches, just whatever's in those drugs doesn't work for me. Yeah. But now I was fortunate enough to be able to throw a little money at it. And I went to a private gynae and he said to me, right, systemic HRT clearly isn't working for you because it's not a one size fits all. You know, some women, they're so lucky. Oh, my God, bless them. And I envy them. They pop a pill and it kind of sorts them out. It wasn't like that for me. So I have a progestogen coil, it's a Mirena coil. I won't try and use terminology, but the estrogen was my problem. So he gave me an estrogen patch and he said, now I want you to play with the dose. So he said, cut it up, try a quarter, twice a week, try half, see where you go. And this was a 25 milligram patch then, was it? If you're cutting it up, it must have been the lowest dose patch. Yes, it was. That one's not available to me anymore. So they've just given me a new patch, which is slightly higher. And I have to say, the old knockers are great. Oh, really? You could actually watch them. <laughs> if we put time lapse on my boobs, you could just watch them grow. Wow. But anyway, so that's called titrating, titrating your dose. That's the medical term. And that was from estrogen dominance. You were told you had too much estrogen, is that then? Yes, that's what I'm guessing. Yes, that's what I'm assuming. Because talking about brain fog, I could never remember anything anybody says to me. He said estrogen was my problem. I'm sure that's what he said. So I cut up my patch. And for me, a quarter twice a week. So I change it on a Sunday night, then I change it on a Wednesday. That made me feel great, brought back some vaginal moisture. Estrogen is really important for that. And even if you're not thinking of having a bonk, you don't want to get uncomfortable down there, do you? No, exactly. Just generally. Nice in your knickers, don't you? Yeah, exactly. It's just for your own personal feeling. Yeah. He prescribed to me a testosterone gel, which I rub in my shoulder. So again, that helps with the brain fog, a little bit of libido. Try and beat me arm wrestling. I dare you. <laughs> Take anybody down there. So for me, managing the doses of those three different hormones is what I needed to do for me. I was lucky enough to be able to just pop an HRT pill and have it sorted out. So that's me. And I went privately and I was lucky to be able to afford that. But now I can get all those bits on the NHS. So that two other things happened to me. I still felt very tired. My hair started coming out. I started really putting weight on around my middle very quickly. And I was just shattered all the time. And a friend of mine who lives in America said, have you ever, ever had your thyroid tested? And I never had. Because in America, although you have to pay for everything, obviously, if you've got no money, you just lie in a gutter and die. Uh, they are preemptive with what they do. So women of a certain age will get, well, let's test your, your bone health. Let's test your thyroid, all these things that can start to happen and change in your menopause. So I went to my GP. 
tested my thyroid and it was low. It was underactive. So I had hypothyroidism. Which the symptoms practically mirror menopause as well. Because I've got friends who are in their 30s who've got underactive thyroids and they say exactly the same thing. I've got brain fog, I feel exhausted, I'm emotional all the time. It's It seems to be... Exactly the same. So you had this at the same time as your menopause. But nobody tested me for that. They didn't test me for that. In fact, my GP, who's retired now, and she retired early, uh, she wasn't an old fuddy-duddy. She just went, it's just your age. Here's a prescription for HRT. Here's a prescription for antidepressants. Next. Honest to God, talk about, you know, supporting your sisters. A horrible woman she really was. She was impatient with it all. You know, come on, you're 54. What do you think it is? Off you go. So made her test my thyroid and she actually apologised to me because she went, oh, right, OK, I'm really, really sorry. Anyway, let's get you sorted out. But that's what's so interesting as well, isn't it, about GPs. If it's an underactive thyroid, they go, oh, right, I can tick that box. Brilliant. We know what to do now. We'll put you on this. But menopause, they go, oh, don't be so silly. Go away. It's just your age. They don't go, oh, well, it's just underactive thyroid. Go away. Do they? They go, oh, sorry. She apologised to you when she realised... She should have tested my thyroid. And what I think is when women have blood tests in their menopause, their thyroid should be checked routinely, possibly all your life, you know, but certainly when you get into menopause, it's very common for your thyroid to get a good kicking. And what I did, I thought that was it. You know, I'd always been... This is going to sound really superficial, but I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. I'd always been effortlessly slim. It wasn't something I had to worry about, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm just watching my waistband expand. I'm going, oh, that's it, is it? That's the end of my youth and beauty. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so got on the levothyroxine. And I have to say, with probably within a week, I felt better. That is one pill that sorted me out beautifully. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, maybe that's what your body really needed. Then you you must do your bloods every year and they will tweak your dose. So my dose got tweaked from 75 micrograms of levothyroxine. Up to, I'm on 100 a day now. And I pretty much feel like my old self, which is great. But um, I do still have the metabolism of a diplodocus, which I deeply resent. <laughs> but hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> There's a lot worse things I could be suffering from. And the other thing I have, dear listener, is bloody osteoporosis as well. Is this something that's in your family or was this, do you think, brought on by the menopause? My mother had it and apparently it can be hereditary. Although I now wonder whether, because my grandmother had it as well, and you think, oh, it's in our families. And you think, well, actually, if they'd taken HRT with what we now know of the preventative benefits of HRT, maybe they only got osteoporosis. There isn't actually a history in your family. I question myself because I toughed it out for, I would say, if I started my menopause bang on 52, I must have been about 57 by the time I decided I couldn't go on. So sometimes I wonder if I gave myself osteoporosis because obviously I'm a lapsed Catholic and we blame ourselves for everything. Oh, so am I, Carol. (laughs) It's like a guilt for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, where I'm deeply grateful is living in the UK. We can sort ourselves out. So I've got the right medicines and right advice for both of those conditions. And I feel fantastic. So the osteoporosis, what are you doing for that? You found that out by accident, having fractured your ankle. Is that right? I had three hairline fractures in my ankle after I tripped doing a, a little jog. So don't, don't, don't jog people. It's not <laughs> Stay on the sofa and watch Netflix. It's much, much safer. Uh, Yeah, so it just wasn't fixing. And six months later, I still could only wear a trainer. And, you know, so I went to see a very good physio here where I live. And they ultrasounded 
my ankle and they said you've got three hairline fractures and you've got bone marrow edema which meant the bone marrow because I was constantly putting pressure on untreated fractures the bone marrow was expanding and going black and all sorts of horrible things and then she said to me have you ever had a DEXA bone scan and I said what's one of those and she said well you know you're how old was I then probably 50 six or something she said well you know menopausal lady of your age it's quite common to get osteoporosis if you had a dex i didn't know anything about that and again was not offered that by the nhs the system over here for women who are in menopause is they wait for you to fall over and break your hip and then they go oh maybe we should look at her bones again in america they have osteoporosis booths you can walk into in shopping malls that just scan you for your bone density you just pay you go in you, yeah it's just incredible so this is my bugbear it's our systems that seem a bit archaic they should be saying right women of a certain age what's going to flag up the hormone thing the thyroid thing the bone health then that's all connected to your menopause, you know. So what I'm doing is this. Now, can I speak for myself? Because I've done a few lifestyle pieces when I've been promoting things. Remember when I used to be in the NME and Q magazine? Now I have to talk about my periods if I want to promote a concert or something. <laughs> Depressing. So I had a record to promote and I got a PR on board. And I said, okay, well, you know, the people who are interested in talking to you, these certain magazines and they want lifestyle issues, you know, women of a certain age, how are you rocking and rolling in your 60s and all that kind of thing. And so I, I mentioned the things that I have to deal with in my day-to-day life and still pull on some tight black leather leggings and pretend to be a rock chick, you know. And be on stage still. You're still touring. and Yeah, yeah and raise a family and all, all the rest of it. So this um, PR in the health industry for supplements and new health innovations and stuff read that and she got in touch with me and she hooked me up with a company called maradine live and they do it's a huge vibrating plate so don't get it mixed up with the things you see on the telly with former cricketers jiggling their ankles on this thing they sit on the sofa it's a medical device like most of these things the technology came from nasa when they had to work with astronauts that had been up in space for a long time and had to redensify their bones and get their muscle mass back and stuff like that so it's all good stuff and what it does is it generates a cascade of bone growth molecule so i stand on it for 10 minutes a day it looks like a big bathroom scale I worked with them for four years, and for four years, they had me under the leading osteoporosis consultant, Professor Reed and Harley Street, and he did my bone scans every 18 months. And he said, if I could put you on the drugs that I'd like to prescribe, I would increase your bone health. But I have to say, it hasn't deteriorated and you haven't lost any height. So I'm still the giddy heights of five, three and a half. <laughs> and I feel very healthy. And it's a drug-free method that works. It's not cheap. The device is about three and a half grand. But it works. The things are there to back it up. I'm not telling anybody else what to do. No, no, no. But this is what you've discovered that has helped you. And it's kept your bone density at a at a state. And also, I haven't lost any height. I do work out a lot. I've always been a gym bunny. And I value that even more now. I've learned that weight-bearing exercise is incredibly important for to keep your bones healthy. And so what do you do? Do you do resistance bands or weights? I take resistance bands on tour, yeah, because they're great to go in your suitcase. I've got a little gym in the garage, nothing fancy. I've got a grotty old stationary bike and a treadmill. And then we've got free weights. So we've got um, one of those weight stations, you know, with those blocks of weights on pulleys. I just sit on that and do stuff. A little bit of running. I don't run much, just enough... When you've got osteoporosis, you need to hop 
jump or skip so bang your bones so I do all of that and then I've got my Maradine live plate which um, I stand on for 10 minutes every day and I'm fine and everybody's very happy with me and I'm also happy to endorse that because like I say it was four years before I put my name to the campaign. Well that's amazing if it's actually working and as you say it's a drug-free way of doing it obviously three grand is a lot of money and not everyone's going to be able to do that but hopefully things like that might become more readily available. Obviously, you need to talk to your doctor, you need to talk to your consultant, you need to do what's right for you. If Professor Reed had said, this isn't working, I'd have been off it. But I, when I first got my osteoporosis diagnosis, that sounds like something supercalifragilistic. <laughs> <laughs> osteoporosis. Uh, yeah, I took alendronic acid, which is the basic drug that you're prescribed. And what that does is it puts your bone deterioration stasis it like kind of like freezes it it doesn't help you improve it right and I personally after about three months had lots of aching in my ankles my knees my elbows anywhere there was a joint was really hurting I wasn't happy came off it and then I was happy to trial this this thing that that works for me all the aching and everything has stopped then has it now completely yeah and are you completely symptom free of your menopause no hot flushes yeah as far as I'm aware, yeah. I've just had COVID for a week, which was a bit similar. The duvet was on again, off again, on again. Yeah, poor you. We're both sounding a bit croaky. But no, pretty much, yeah. I would say it's probably an ongoing challenge for a lot of women in terms of energy and your libido is, you know, my husband's seven years younger than me, so you have to be mindful of that so he doesn't feel like a sex pest. (laughs) And has the testosterone helped with that, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely, I went through a phase of having to um, make myself, you know, I love my husband and I fancy my husband, so I would do the best I could to accommodate when I could. Now I actually feel like it's Sometimes. Yeah, no, I was saying exactly that to my husband, just the idea that you don't really notice how lacking it is until a little bit of it creeps back and you go, oh, actually, I'm not just turning over and going, oh, no, sweetie, no, I'm tired, go away. And it was like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was like leaping on him, but <laughs> definitely, as you say, you're like, actually, that's not such a hideous idea. And also, you know, your life changes as you get older. And when you're younger, you literally are rampant with hormones. You know, I used to be really horny, you know, very horny. That might come as a surprise. <laughs> no, I've seen you on stage. No. <laughs> but, you know, when you have children and you've got boring stuff like a house to run and a mortgage to pay and life isn't as sexy as it used to be when you're young for and single is it lots of things change not just your hormone levels I think but yeah you have to rediscover your sex life I think and um, if you've got a good relationship you've got to be able to talk it through and be honest about it the thing I hated the most was the lack of spontaneity all the gear you have to get (laughs) to make it work (laughs) for it just you you just just do it it's nice to have that feeling back of like oh actually feel fruity And so do you consider yourself definitely post-menopausal now? I don't know what that means. If I came off my HRT, would it all come back? But the other thing my consultant said, because, you know, with HRT, the pill, you're meant to come off it after a few years. I can do this for the rest of my life. And my consultant told me he's got clients, ladies in their 70s. They're still on their patches, their coil. Yep. And so there's no need to come off it. So the, my biggest fear is when you say, how do you know when you're through it? Is I don't know because I'm on all this 
stuff. I was saying this to Dr. Katie and she was saying it's just a general age thing. Usually by your late 50s, you're probably through it. But as you say, nowadays, people are saying you don't have to come off your HRT anymore. It's about quality of life benefits. And if that's still beneficial to you, then... It's a really cruel trick that nature plays on us girls, isn't it? It's like you can't have a baby anymore, so we've got no use for you whatsoever. This is the narrative I'm trying to change with Be More Orca, because I think we have massive use and we should embrace this part of our lives. We need to make sure that we don't think that we're past it. Yeah. So one thing I was thinking for you, you've had such a hormonal ride throughout your life. Have things improved for you now that your hormones are more steady? Yes. And I would credit my private gynae with helping me to sort that out, which is why I feel I feel for women who can't do that because it, it was because I could throw a little bit of money at it. Otherwise, I think I'd have been floundering around with HRT not working for me, systemic HRT not working for me and my own body working against me. It's interesting, though, because you aren't on bioidentical. You are just manipulating NHS hormones that you can get. So then hopefully women, if they become a bit more knowledgeable by things like this and the, the conversation that is starting and really burgeoning now, I think, then they can go to their GPs, hopefully, and say right, look, this isn't working for me. Maybe I should, like Carol Decker, cut up my patch. You've got to hope you've got a, a switched on GP. Yeah. Because I didn't. My GP was useless and she was another woman as well. I feel we shouldn't be more outraged that actually women are as useless as the male GPs, but I find it more annoying when you think, and they're a woman. But hopefully GPs are being trained and there are more and more NHS specialist menopause clinics opening up. In fact, as we speak today, it was on the news this morning, some certificate for women to get. Yes. You don't have to pay for your individual prescriptions anymore. You buy a certificate that allows you to have as many prescriptions as you need in a year. They're recognising the huge impact it has on the woman all the people around her, how she functions in the rest of her life, which can be incredibly productive just as a person, as a part of society. Exactly. Not just like, go away, it's your problem, go and die in a corner. That idea that, oh, well, it's your time, shuffle off now. And it'll stop all of that women reaching a point in their careers and then the menopause hitting and then not being able to function in their high-powered jobs. And so then they quit the workforce. And that's that's crazy. I have a friend who's incredibly conventionally clever, you know, just university degree, great with numbers. She's a finance officer for two or three schools out in California. And she's just saying, I can't finish a sentence or remember where I live sometimes. Yeah, well, I think it is. It's really debilitating for a lot of women, isn't it? And I read that you said that you always judged yourself and your work on other people's responses to it. Would you say that now your confidence has got better, you do that less? In as much as I've been doing what I do for a long time, and I know I'm quite good at it, so I guess that's a little bit of maturity. But, you know, being a singer and a performer, I still have to rely a little bit on what people think of me. Otherwise, they don't pay for a ticket. I've got to deliver. But I guess on a personal level, probably now I'm a little bit older, the whole kind of grumpy old woman thing, the same sort of things don't worry me. Like, so, for example, my daughter 
she's 24 and she goes through a lot of anxieties and concerns in her young life that I remember having. And I, I have to caution myself to let her speak about it and listen to how she's feeling because I just want to say, it all gets better when you're grumpy and older. <laughs> she's going to go through it at 24. You know? I remember being a basket case, you know, when I was younger. And as I said to you, and having those incredibly hormonal swings every flipping month from the age of 16. And I remember clearly changing halfway through my teens. I actually didn't get my period till I was 16 and a half. And so to start with, we were all like worried I was never going to get one. And then as soon as I got them, I was frankly just a moody cow. And I was horrible to my mum sometimes, you know, because you always pick on the ones that you love, don't you? And just got very argumentative and went straight into that teenage angst. And, you know, I knew everything. I'd reinvented the wheel sort of thing. But like almost overnight, like Kevin the teenager in that. Yes, that's brilliant. Yeah, I don't miss that. I'm glad certain things have calmed down a bit. And I think going through your menopause is a bit like starting your periods because I did have, again, a, a wave of anxiety. Who am I? Why can't I do the things I used to be able to do? You know, all that kind of thing. And then it does, with the help of HRT, settle down. I'm certainly finding myself and finding a new path to take. It's a level of confidence that I don't think I had in my 20s and 30s. But you know that you're you're established in certain areas in your life. You know what you're doing I'd say that the the biggest area for me where I get anxiety is being a mum. That changes all the time. So when they're little, there's different bits and bobs. We were blessed. We were blessed. I didn't have a sick child. You know, some people have a sick child to nurture, all different things going on in their lives. None of that, just the kind of basic up and downs of like, I wasn't invited to that party and all that kind of stuff, you know, but nothing serious. Now they're older, my daughter's 24, my son's 20. You can't fix it all with a Disney movie and some ice cream and a pizza because, you know, they, they don't get the job they went after, the girlfriend of them, the, it's complex emotional stuff. And so I find as a parent that's um, an ever-developing journey and I don't have all the answers all the time for them anymore. Have you been open with your daughter about your menopause struggles then? Have you spoken to her about what you've been going through? A little bit. I don't want to depress her too much. You know, we talk about girly stuff. We went through the usual stuff about when she got sexually active and was in a relationship. Always very upfront about that. And my son too, you know, um, I'll talk about anything and say anything you need to know, you you come and ask me, that's absolutely fine. Scarlett knew about my thyroid because she saw me not feeling well and and complaining. I couldn't get my pants zipped up anymore, which is the main thing I complain about all the time. I'm <laughs> only worried about what I look like. You are in, a, in an industry that is utterly visually obsessed, though. So You see the clips from the South Park, Harry and Meghan, where he opens her head up, looks inside, and there's nothing there. That's me. <laughs> just look inside, it's just... That's not true. <laughs> So were you, I wouldn't say hiding, but were you masking what you were going through for them? Because I certainly did that for my family. When I did my episode one, all my family were like, we had no idea you were going through it. You know, my husband knew, but I definitely hid it from everyone else. No, I staggered around with a large glass of white wine crying. (laughs) But did they know why you were crying? Did you say it's because mummy's hormones are going through the roof or because I'm 65 now so you know she's 24 so let's go back 10 years you know she's only 14 and, and Dylan was so no it wasn't the right time to sort of burden them with that 
now she's a young woman, I would talk to her about all of that and, you know, what you might expect. But everybody's experience is different, isn't it? I mean, you know, I told you how chronically hormonal I was. I had a girlfriend who thought I was making it up, thought we were melodramatic. She got a slight kind of bit of grump for about one day and that's all she ever went through and she didn't understand she thought it was an excuse for bad manners melodramatic behavior you know so another woman didn't go through the same thing as me didn't understand what I was going through so I I don't think I've got a template for Scarlett she might take after me I certainly have taken after my mum. My mum had an underactive thyroid osteoporosis. Oh, well, there you go. And were you aware of your mum? Is your mum still with you? She died in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. I knew she had all those issues. I didn't really think I would inherit them. Like, for example, my father died of a heart attack when he was 57. And I never walked around thinking I might have a heart attack. I don't think like that. I just don't think it's necessarily my destiny. No. But Scarlett might take after me. She knows now about the osteoporosis because I've talked about it. They've seen the play that I stand on and also because I was part of the promotional campaign for it. So now Scarlett and I will talk about that sort of thing. And she has said, do you think I'll get this and that? And I said, it is common to take after your mum, but it's not necessarily your destiny. So just keep an open mind. I think the idea of forewarning women of the next generation down is very useful, that you might go through it. As you say, every woman's experience is as unique as she is, isn't it? And only 25% of women, I think, experience debilitating symptoms. And there are people that breeze through it, like as with pregnancy and as with, as you say, periods and things like that. So tempting to tell a pregnant woman how you ripped from front to back. <laughs> and then other people just cough them out, don't they? We to out-horror each other with our birth stories. You mustn't do that. You mustn't the shit out of other women. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a difference of keeping it secret. I think our previous generations kept it secret, which, you know, it was just not talked about because it wasn't the right thing. Whereas what I love now is that everyone is actually willing to open up about it. You know, you're willing to come on here and... My test of a boyfriend was, I used to say, could you go and buy me some tampons? (laughs) Yeah. And if they were perfectly happy doing that, then I knew they were a good guy. Yeah, well, that's a good test. It's a good test. Just to sort of finish up, because I know that we've taken up more of your time than I meant to. Would you say that you're happier now than you've been? Yes, I would say I'm happier, actually. In fact, I'm used to being motivated, busy, restless and on the road, right? And just lately, I've been a bit happy at home. And that's the kind of thing I'm really kicked against because I didn't think I existed if I was pottering about in the garden and walking the dog. I was like, no, I'm Carol Decker, international rock star. And then just lately, I feel a bit content. And I actually was a bit worried that I felt content. I thought, is that it? I lost all my drive. But now I'm more picky about what I want to do. I'm blessed with still being approached by interesting projects. So that's great. I've been around long enough, I think, to establish my career. So I do get some nice things to do. So I'm very lucky. And I am counting my blessings, which isn't like me. I'm usually glass half empty what else can I do to fill it up kind of person, you know. I'm just an edgy, restless person and I, I just feel like I'm I'm not at the moment. So watch this space. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. I like that. Happy in your own skin. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I don't want to over-egg it because I'm not, I'm not, it's unfamiliar to me. And I'm usually very driven, ambitious, competitive. And I just feel, I just feel like I want to chill a bit. I really do. That's brilliant. And last question, what advice would you have for those people who are going through it now? I would say 
do as much research as you can yourself. There's lots of good stuff out there. Please guard against the Looney Tunes websites. Go places that have got a great reputation, like the NHS website, or for me, I do like Healthline is a good one that I like, and the Mayo Clinic, although it's American, there's a lot of good advice. And I just find Americans ahead of the game sometimes in, in their healthcare. And arm yourself with all the information, talk to your GP, write down your symptoms so you can explain yourself when you get there and you don't forget everything you were trying to say. Make a list. I live off lists. And don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, and there's lots of ways of doing it. We're so lucky now in the modern world. There's there's more ways of skinning this cat. You can do it. Thank you so much for talking to me. You've been utterly brilliant. Pleasure. Lots of love. and Tapao are touring the UK as we speak. If you want to keep up to date with all their news, head to her socials. Details are in the show notes. Next time, I'm back talking to Dr Katie. We grapple with the thorny subject of GPs, and she has some amazing advice on what to do to make sure you get the most out of your appointment. If you want to be more orca, head to bemoreorcapod.co.uk. For all the latest on what's coming up, I've cherry-picked articles to keep you informed so you don't have to sift through the news. And become a member. Tell me what matters to you and what questions you want answering. Help shape the pod and help other women just like you so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again. And if you've liked this episode, please subscribe as it helps with those pesky algorithms and lets others find us and become part of our pod. And follow me at b.more.orca.com for my no-filter menopause diary.